Double Take is an extension of the award-winning movie review show Cinema Classics, which airs Thursdays at 8.01 p.m. on WCBE 90.5 FM, Columbus, Ohio. Hosted by John DeSando, this podcast features additional content and discussion with guests. I'm John DeSando. And I'm KG Klein. And this is Double Take. Ken, there's nothing more classic than the name Disney. There is not. <laughs> today we are talking about their new animated musical, Wish. Oh, listen, I'm, I'm so happy to have you here because you are a real Disney supporter. I will, I will plead guilty. I will not hide <laughs> no, it for that, at all. I am a huge, How many huge titles are there in the Disney catalog that you can't have one that maybe deviates for you? Oh, there, I, I've seen everything. I have copies of almost everything. Oh. I win Disney trivia contests. Oh, great. So we, I, I am definitely in my element whenever oh. we're talking all right. Disney. All right, so Wish, Ken, I really had mixed feelings about it, I have to tell you. In fact, I, I wanted to get you... Uh, excited, so I told you it was junk. It's not not really junk, but it is a disappointment for me. Now tell me, for you, what what is Wish? Okay, Wish is a very, very important film for Disney. It is their 100th anniversary this year, and they wanted wanted to celebrate that 100 years with a really memorable animated musical. Everybody on their A-list at Disney Animation Studios worked on this movie. It's almost a complete reuniting of the, the original production team of Frozen that did this. You've got Jennifer Lee, who wrote Frozen, is back writing Wish. Chris Buck directed it. You've got Tom Uta doing the animation. He did the animation of Elsa on Wish, and he's doing Magnifico in this one. And you've got Peter Del Vecchio, the now, producer. Magnific- you mean, what about Chris Pine? Uh, Chris Pine, the, now the cast, of course, is brand new. Okay. Yeah, none no, of the you're cast is connected. About- this is the actual production team. Okay. And this is, this is all the best of the best at Disney. So I had really high hopes. I really, really wanted to love this movie. I'll tell you, and, and one of the things that was perplexing me was that it seemed like a big mashup of all of previous Disney films. Is that, it, it's it, not a mashup, it's a regurgitation. <laughs> <laughs> and that sums up this film pretty well. I, <laughs> as I said, I really wanted to love this movie. I didn't. It's not horrible. It is not a complete disaster. All right. The, yeah, the little sweetie pie. She's a teen. She's beautiful. She's of mixed color. She has Adriana DeBose, is it? Yes. It has yeah. her voice. Plays the voice of Asha. You can't, you can't miss with that. And she's, of course, going to save the whole planet, the whole world. And, and this is Disney-like. Well, the story is Disney wanted to do something special, so they decided, let's make a movie about the origin of the wishing star. The star that is referred to when Jiminy Cricket and Pinocchio sings, <laughs> When You Wish Upon a Star, one of the great songs of Disney. Yes. They decided back in 2019, in preparation, let's make this movie about the wishing star, and we'll discuss all of the great wishing and aspirations of all Disney movies all wrapped up together with <laughs> this film all right we got so we we have chris pine truly enjoying himself as a bad boy <sighs> magnifico <laughs> magnifico probably the most we've ever seen of a disney villain in any disney movie boy, he owns good this comment movie. He, yes he, he is does. from the get-go he is on screen more than the heroine is very good point yes i hadn't even realized that i just said i said well boy pine is just enjoying himself this is He's the first time in a disney up. film that the disney princess has a duet with the villain Ah, yes. And only the second time that the villain has two songs instead of just one. The first time was Lion King. As we move along, it looks like there could have been a meeting of the minds between those two. There was so much going on between them. I really and was enjoying the fact 
that she was playing around with the the villain. Well, uh, well the story for our audience. The yeah. story is about this young woman Asia who lives on this Mediterranean island called Rosa. And we don't know exactly when it's set, but because it is the origin story of the Wishing Star, we can suspect it is a long, long time ago. And this island is under the control of Magnifico, this magical sorcerer who takes people's wishes when they're 18 years old with the promise that at some point he will grant their most important wish. You know, Ken, I want to tell you, I thought it was really admirable twist and one that might be challenging for younger kids about how the fact is that their wishes can't come true unless he... Unless he, he grants he, he them. He grants them. It's like he has storage. And we early, learned early in the movie that he's hoarding them. Yeah. He's only, he grants one wish per month, but he gets hundreds of wishes, and the, he has them all stored away in this floating thing above his palace and sort of an observatory, and he is drawing power from these wishes. And this is where he becomes the villain, is he's not really there to help the people. He's there to be a vampire of their wishes. You know, what an interesting concept. If you're looking at our recent brushes with totalitarianism or people who uh, wish to be dictators. People who promise you one thing and then really are in it for themselves. Talk to me about it. I, I began to say, I think this is really resonating with me. Give them a lot of credit. Here's something to twist your mind around a little bit. No. Your wish won't come true until the dictator tells you that he thinks mm-hmm. it can be. And But now everything in the story takes a 90-degree turn when Aisha goes out on her own and casts a powerful wish, which draws the magic wishing star down from the sky, and the magic wishing star starts actually granting wishes. And this, of course, becomes a threat to Magnifico and his power, because now there's another force there, more powerful than him, that is granting people's wishes and making everybody feel happy. Well, and it's not, he, it's beyond his control, so he has to do something about it. And therein is the basis of the story. Now, I thought that star was a little schlubby. I wasn't, wasn't that excited about this. And this is guy. the problem with this movie. You're getting right to the, to the very core of the problem, is that the star should have been the star of the yes. movie. This movie should have been written like E.T., Asia is sort of on her own. She has a few friends, but she's kind of distanced from them. She's kind of doing Very her good. own thing. And then the star enters her life, and the star changes everything. And if they had done this movie right, if they had done it like E.T., this would have worked. You didn't need the villain, as John Lasseter used to say, no villains. <laughs> But instead, they just, somebody involved, probably Jennifer Lee, decided, oh, my God, I love Chris Pine. I love what he's doing with this. And his part just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger until the star becomes just a secondary character in the story. And Aisha, the heroine, even becomes a secondary. Yeah, right. Everybody in this movie is underdeveloped except for Magnifico. Yes, that's right. And Magnifico even has one of the better songs. He has the best song. The Thanks I Get or something? Uh, This is The Thanks I Get. Yeah. Yeah. That's a pretty good song. It's not a bad song in a movie that's filled with not memorable songs. (laughs) Yes. Um, This is is one place where they went different from Frozen. They didn't bring in the team of Kristen Lopez and Bobby Lopez to do the music. I'm not sure why, but they chose two individuals already working at Disney to do the music for the movie. David Mm. Metzger and, I'm sorry, I forget the, the woman's name. And... The the music is very, very similar to Encanto. The opening song, Rosa, is the family madrigal. Mm. There's a lot of 
uh, as I said, regurgitation of this. So many of the characters. There's a talking goat named Valentino that is just an annoying version of Pascal from uh, uh, Tangled. I and mean, they could really they could have cut the goat completely out of the movie. The goat does nothing in the movie. I am very disappointed in the goat because usually these are a standout. These little, yeah. these funky little animals that can talk. The really the, the snappy sidekick. Yes. <laughs> the problem is they've got Alan Tudyk voicing the uh, the goat, and he is their go to person for a voice acting. He was the voice of the Duke of Weasleton in Frozen, but he is not an improvisationist. He is not Josh Gad. He is not Robin Williams. He can't go in there and just create a character the way that uh, those people did. I mean, when they wrote the, the, the script for, uh, for Frozen and for uh, uh, Aladdin, they basically said, put in your own lines to Josh Gad and Robin Williams, and they did it. And they, they were so over the top and so spectacular and so memorable. But Alan Tuldeck is not that kind of actor. He just reads what's on the page. Commenting is, is making me think, Frozen is really a, a, an elephant among all these. It's oh, God, really- yeah. Yeah, Frozen is the cash cow. Wow. Um, And that's why Igor, Bob Iger has just announced not just Frozen 3, but Frozen 4 is in the works. Yeah. Yeah, because that's their their cash cow. They don't even group the characters from Frozen in with the other Disney princesses. They are their own characters. Well, I'm a big one for trying to decipher the message that Disney is sending. Disney's always sending a message. I mean, always. don't, Don't think it doesn't. What's the message of Wish? Well, the message of Wish is, should have been and really is the same as the messages of every film in what we call the New Renaissance Era, which started with John Lasseter taking the helm at Disney and with the movie um, Tangled. Tangled. Yes, Tangled tang- is a good Tangled good up one. until about Coco is considered the New Renaissance Era. Because John Lasseter, and you can sum this all up. There's one song in one of the movies, Frozen, called... Every, everyone's a bit of a fixer-upper. And that is the core of what Lasseter did at Disney, is let's not make classic stories of a two-dimensional villain that we've all seen before, mm-hmm. and, and the heroine, and the villain's trying to interfere with the heroine's love of life and relationships. He said, let's look at the problem from the point of view that everybody is a fixer-upper, and everybody has inherent problems and the, the, the conflicts in life are not good versus evil. They're trying to overcome these problems, the, these, these things that, that, that hurt us. There are our self-doubt, our fears, our unwillingness to help. And he got this idea from the great Japanese animator Hiro Miyazaki. Mm-hmm. Miyazaki doesn't have villains in his movies. He, he bases his movies on Shinto philosophy which is the belief that there is no such thing as good or evil, mm-hmm. but there are just bad thoughts. And he, Lasseter incorporated that, and that became the standard. That's why movies like Brave and Frozen and Frozen 2 and Encanto don't have villains. Uh-huh. But with this movie, for some reason, Jennifer Lee decided, no, let's go back to classic storytelling, and we'll just, we'll just make this a good versus evil. You're right. Okay, so she, along with Alison Moore, are the writers of the screenplay. Yeah. 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 And... Her choice isn't bad if you consider the history of it. A good villain can make it, right? You, you yeah, oh, can yeah. make a movie. I mean, anytime. we've got great villains. But there's always been great villains. Yeah. Maleficent is a great That's villain. The best example, uh, yeah. Ursula from Little Mermaid is a yeah. great yeah, villain. Right. You can have these villains, but the purpose of the villain is not to be on screen all the time. 
The, the villain is only appears in a few scenes, and they usually appear near the end when it looks like the love affair is going to go right, and then they come in and throw a wrench in it. But this one, this is a movie of villain extravaganza. <laughs> well, we know that Magnifico is hoarding all the wishes. And, and that's just such, as I said on Cinema Classics, that's such an intriguing premise to me. You hold everybody's dreams in your hand. But then you and I, of course, being snarky as we always are, could see that in contemporary political activity, that we have despots who want to hold everybody's dreams. Every, yeah, and control their dreams and decide who gets what. And it's a very personal thing. And meanwhile, they are benefiting from us. Of course, yes, yeah. As I look at Asia. I'm, I'm just uh, wondering uh, your view on her. She has a wish that she goes out at night and secretly makes it on a star. Yes. She's not supposed to do that. Yeah, she's, she's supposed, supposed to. Well, to she's it. not 18 yet, so she hasn't right. given her wish to Magnifico yet. And do you remember what her wish was? Her wish was that her grandfather get to get his wish. Right, and that everybody gets their wish. Everybody gets their right. wish. Right, yeah. so this is counter to Magnifico's uh, Yep. Uh, and she wishes it so hard that the wishing star actually comes down. That's right, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I do like your comment that that little star should have been much more. He, that little star should have been the, the whole focus of the story. Yes, yes. Now, in fairness to Disney, this film started production in, the, in November of 2019, and just a few weeks into production, COVID hit. So much of the writing of this movie actually took place on Zoom. And I, whether or not that was a factor in how the story ended up, I don't know, but we have to give them some credit that they were up against some enormous obstacles because they had a deadline. This is the, the 100th anniversary movie. They couldn't change the release date. So if you could tell me, what is your favorite Disney of all time? It's like asking for your favorite kid. Um, I would say that my favorite three films would be Frozen, Lion King, and Fantasia. Frozen keeps coming up. In your criticisms, tell me what makes it so great. Frozen is almost the pinnacle of the new Renaissance era. I mean, for one thing, it's it's it, it was the most successful animated film in history, and I get the impression that it was a case of where did we go right? Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, a lot of that movie was very much by accident. Hmm. That's what's so remarkable about it. It started out as a different kind of film. It started out with a movie with a traditional villain, and then. A series of events happened that changed the movie very organically. They brought in this new writing team, Kristen Anderson Lopez and Bobby Lopez. Bobby Lopez had written Book of Mormon and Avenue Q. And this is their first Disney film. And they came up with a song, Let It Go, which was supposed to be the villain unleashing her power. Then they tweaked it a little bit, and they said, well, maybe, maybe this villain isn't as bad as we think they are. Then they turned that song over to Adina Menzel, who moved her voice up a half a stop and came across sounding very innocent and very frightened. And they decided, oh my gosh, this character is not a villain at all. This is just a frightened young woman who makes a lot of bad choices. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's how this film became so unique, is that they didn't sit down and just try to write these mm-hmm. characters. As Lassiter has said in interviews, these characters wrote themselves. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the magic that I think they've been searching for ever since. Now, they've had a few hits since then. Encanto is fantastic. It is. I love Encanto. It's another great high point for them. Yes. Um, for, for location, for the spirit of Columbia, I think they really caught it. Yes, yes. And, and I love the fact that they, they went through this period with no villains. 
<laughs> because it really did make the stories much more interesting because <laughs> yeah. we're looking at the problems in relationships, not for some oh, external force. I mean, the, the villains among us, he's villain is us. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's just a great observation that Disney finally figured out. You don't need that. Just let's get to the people and we'll see. Well, they did until Wish. <laughs> yes, until Wish. And then they, which was the spirit of Wish really was kind of taking back and pulling in the best, but they just did that too much. It, it just appears to me, and I don't have anything to go on for this, but it appears to me that somebody got really interested in having Chris Pine in this movie mm. and that when they should have been focusing on developing the relationship between the star and Asia, oh, they yes. focused instead yes. on Chris Pine, more Chris Pine, yes. more Chris Pine. Let's give him the big song and then let's throw some more Chris Pine in there. And it just got out of hand and out of control. As we look way back, of course, I Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, I can give you all kinds of corny titles. <laughs> How about you? Some one way back there. Oh, Fantasia. Fantasia. Fant- absolutely. Fantasia right. was the one. Uh, you were old enough to remember when oh, every year Disney would re-release a classic in, in the movie theaters. This is before DVD players yeah. or even video yeah. VHS. Yeah. And the only way you could see these movies is to go back to the theater for that short time when it was out and get a chance to watch it. And I did. My parents would take me back and we would watch Jungle Book and we would see Aristocats and we would see all the great classics. But the one that I always waited for was Fantasia because yeah. it is so amazing, especially on a big screen. Of course, this is, I mean, when you think of all the classical music in there and so on, this is yeah. an elevated Disney this is Disney really trying and, and succeeding. And the, this is Disney being very experimental. Yes. And his plan was to re-release Fantasia every year with a new, new piece added oh, and something yeah, taken out. Yeah. And they did do a follow-up. They called it Make Mine Music. Make, me, make Mine Music. Uh-huh. And, and it, was, it was very good also. But that is sort of a one-off for Disney. And it's, you know, it, it doesn't follow with the regular the princesses of the past. Well, KG Klein, you and I have... Wished upon a star, and we wished that Wish were better. <laughs> we do. And, and one interesting side note on this movie is the co-director, Fawn Vera Sunthorn. She is actually a local connection. She graduated from Columbus College of Art and Design, ah. just about a mile away from ah. where we're sitting right now. And I actually got to meet her a couple of times oh, when I was good. working at CCAD in her freshman year. Oh, good. So it's so great, you know. And this is another reason why I wanted this movie to be wonderful yes. is because I wanted yeah. to see Fawn... Really, you know, get her chance. As a final note, yeah, Ken, how's it doing at the box office? Not, it's, it's not doing as well as they had hoped. Yeah. It's doing better than Napoleon. It's not doing as well as Hunger Games. I know. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's a $200 million movie, and this movie needed to do well because last year's Strange, a Strange oh. World oh. bombed. Oh, they lost Ken. $200 million on Strange oh, my World. Gosh, yes. And I get the feeling that if this one fails, there's going to be a shakeup at Disney. Yeah. But there's also been rumors circulating that Lassiter may be coming back, which would be a wonderful thing, not just for bringing him back to take control, but also for giving Jennifer Lee the opportunity to go back and work on this Frozen 3 and Frozen 4. For parents out there, if your kids are under the age of 10, take them to see Wish. They're going to love it. They're going to have cute animals and lots of singing. They're going to have a good time. If you're over the age of 12, probably not the best movie. Uh, it is a beautiful movie. If you want Disney and you're not as discerning as we are, I think they could enjoy it. It's, it's Disney animation at its best. I just wish the story was better. Yeah.